Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Today we're going to continue the series that we started a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago called Take It by Fours. And today I want to encourage you not to quit. So the title of today's message is Don't Quit. Tell your neighbor, don't quit. So as I said, year 2023 is the year that we are going to take it by force. This is the year that we are going to take hold of God's promises, that we are going to take hold of God's purposes, we are going to take hold of God's plans, and we're going to take hold of everything that God has prepared for us this year. How many of you know that God has plans, that God has promises, that God has purposes already allocated and laid out for you and your family this year? Do you know that that God is a God of purpose, that God is a God of promise, and he's got plans for you and and so God is a God of purpose and he is a God of plans and when he establishes purposes he also establishes plans so that those purposes can be accomplished or realized in your life but oftentimes those plans come out through a those plans are seen in our life through a a a process so you can actually interchange the word plan and process so for every purpose there is a process every plan there is a process that God is going to take you through to get you to that promise why I always say that that the process prepares you for the promise the process prepares you for your purpose so every time God lays out a promise God lays out a purpose for your life he's always going to take you through the process but how many of you know that sometimes that process can be painful sometimes that process can can be un, uncomfortable if you really don't know just talk to a woman who has gone through seven eight nine months of pregnancy and then has given birth the process can be painful there comes a time where she hasn't seen her feet in three months and everything hurts she can't walk she can't talk she can't sit she can't even control the bodily functions Everything seems to be in chaos, and, and, and the process is preparing the mom for the, the promise. So every time God establishes a purpose, every time God establishes a promise, there's always, he will always take you through a process, and the process can be painful, the process can be un, un, uncomfortable. And, and just like you, God has, has spoken and declared many powerful things, not only over your life, but also about Access Church. A few weeks ago, we had Vision Sunday, where I kind of laid out the vision of what we hope to see in 2023. And so God has spoken and declared many powerful things about Access Church. Now, one thing that you have to understand, that for all that God has for you, it's not going to come easy. The process, the plans are never going to be easy. Why? Because the enemy does not want you to possess God's promises. The enemy does not want you to possess God's purpose. In fact, one of the names that we see in scripture for the enemy is devil. The word devil means adversary. It's not a name. It's not a title. It is literally a job description. The enemy gets up every day looking for 
ways to, to, to oppose anything that God wants to do in your life. It's his number one goal. It's his number one mission in life to oppose anything that God wants to do in your life. Why? Because every time you set out to follow God's purpose, every time you set out to follow God's plan, every time you set out to grab hold of the promise, you are advancing the kingdom of God. And the enemy does not want the kingdom of God to advance and that's why Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 he says from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence he's talking about that there is an opposition force at this world in this world that is opposing the kingdom of God the Bible the people asked Jesus one time where is the kingdom of God he said the kingdom of God is within you you are the kingdom of God you have the kingdom of God in in you and so anytime God moves you forward in in your life and God moves you forward in his purpose and his promise the kingdom of God is advancing and the opposition force existent in this world is doing everything he can to oppose that the enemy does not want to lose ground in your marriage the enemy does not want to lose ground in your family the enemy does not want to lose ground in your ministry the enemy does not want to lose ground with your children that's why he he is always trying to stop whatever God is trying to do in your life. And so Jesus is giving his disciples this reality check. He said, you've got to know that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. There is an opposition force that is always pushing back. That's why sometimes in your spiritual life, you like it, it almost seems like you're taking one step forward and then something happens, right? And it goes two steps back and you take another step forward and then here comes another trial, another tribulation. Here comes another issue and another problem and oftentimes these 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 opposition forces come like waves one after the other why because the devil's number one mission in life is to stop whatever God is doing in your life in your marriage in your family in your ministry that's what he says out to do so the, Jesus has given his disciples this reality check he is telling you he says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence but he doesn't stop there and then he goes on to say the violent take it by force what he is saying is that with with the equal opposition with the equal force that the enemy is coming against us we have to respond in kind we have to respond with equal enthusiasm we have to respond with with equal fervor we have to respond with equal passion just as passionate is he that he is about stealing killing and destroying we've got to become as passionate for advancing the kingdom of God and that's that's why he said the kingdom of violence suffer the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent will take it by force i like what the niv says it says the kingdom of god is forcefully advancing what does that mean is that if we are going to move forward it's going to require a fight tell your neighbor you got to be willing to fight You've got to fight for it. You've got to fight for your purpose. You've got to fight for your promise. You've got to fight for your, your plans. You've got to fight for everything that God wants to do in your life. Now, now some people think that, that becoming a Christian, you, you're just going to have this easy life. Jesus himself on one occasion said, in this world, you will have much affliction. He, he, he laid it out. He said, this opposition for, force that exists in this world that, that only exists to oppose everything God wants to do 
is there. And so these two forces are existent and, and, and trying to stop everything. And they're, they're always working against each other. And that's why Jesus says here in Matthew that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. In other words, the kingdom of God has opposition. Have you ever wondered why it's always hard? The moment, you know, some of you came out of 2022 and said, you know what, in January, like for real, for real, like for real this time, I'm going to get right with God. And, and you just make that determination, and then all hell breaks loose over your life. Is that a coincidence? No. That is the opposition force trying to keep you from advancing in your walk with God. That's what he exists to do. And that's why Jesus says, hey, it's not going to be easy, but let me give you this, this little piece of, of advice. Let me, let me give you this, this principle that the reward of the promise is always greater than the pain of the process. The reward of the promise is always greater than the pain of the process. And, and you know, I, I don't think that there, there is a, a clearer picture than that of, of Joshua. Joshua is this transitional figure. He is in a, a transitional moment. He, is, he was part of the, the, the group of, of people that God brought out of Egypt, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And then all of a sudden, in the book of Joshua, Moses has passed away. Joshua is assuming leadership and control, and he is about to take the people into the promised land. And, and so go with me to Joshua 1, chap, chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. It says, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess some of the land. Is that what it says? It says all. See, you've got to know that God doesn't want you to have a teaspoon or a tablespoon of his promise. God doesn't want you to have a cup of his promise or three-fourths of a cup of his promise. He wants you to possess all of the promise. He wants you to possess all of the purpose. He wants you to take it all. And so he's telling Joshua, you're not just going to stay. Remember I told you that the promised land was greater than Jericho. Most believers who don't know their Bible think that the promised land was all about Jericho. But Jericho was only the first of eight cities that they would have to conquer, and they would have to conquer all of it. He says, I don't want you to conform with just Jericho. I don't want you to conform with just a piece. I want you to have everything that I have prepared for you. How many of you buy, buy a shirt for your son or daughter for their birthday, and you want them just to have a sleeve? I know sometimes it feels like we can't afford it right now with inflation. Well, maybe next year I'll give you the other sleeve, mijo. No. You want to give your, 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 your son or your daughter, you want to give them all. You want them all. And he's telling Joshua, you are the one that's going to take the people and they're going to possess all of the land I swore that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate it on day and night so you will be sure to do everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Now, verse 9 says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So here, here Joshua, you have to put yourself in, in, in Joshua's chanclas. The word chancla is the Greek word for being perfectly positioned in God's process, okay? So 
just believe me, that's what it is. If you speak Spanish, zip it, okay? He's in this transition. And, and you have to realize that, that he's in what, what I call the meantime. How many of you know that the meantime can be me? When, when you're in that, that transition, you're not where you were, but you're not where you're going. You're not, you haven't arrived at, at your destination. You're, you're in that meantime. You're in, in that process. You're in that place that, uh, of pruning. You're in that place of, uh, of positioning. You're in that pace, place of, of being molded and shaped. And so here is Joshua. They're no longer slaves in Egypt. They're no longer wandering in the desert, but they're not yet in the promised land. They're, they're in this transition moment. They're, they're in this, this, this meantime moment. And let me tell you that what you do in the meantime matters. Why? Because it is usually in the meantime, it is usually in the process where people give up and quit. That, that is often the place where, where people give up and quit. And, and, and God knowing that and God having that foresight, he, he's telling Joshua, you, you're the one that's going to lead them. You're the one that's going to possess it. You're, you're going to make it through. But I need you to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. See, there are two things that can keep you from possessing the promise when you're in the middle of the process, and that is fear and discouragement. And why is that so, so key when you're in the process? Because when you're in that process, the enemy begins to point out everything that's going wrong in your life. The enemy begins to point out all of the deficiencies. He begins to point out all of the lack. He begins to point out all of the problems that you're going through. You're in the process. He begins to remind you that you've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. He begins to remind you of your failures, of your mistakes, uh, of, your, of your attitudes, of uh, of, of all the things that are not going wrong in your life. And if you start focusing on the problem, then you'll lose sight of the promise. And when you start focusing on the problem instead of the promise, then all of a sudden you fall into a place of discouragement. You begin to believe that what the devil is telling you is true. And so here, imagine for a moment, you're, 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 you're Joshua, you're in this, in, in the meantime, you're in, in, in this transition, you're, you're wondering like, what, what, am, am I going to make it through this time? Am I going to have to wonder another 40 years? Because oftentimes uh, it, when you're in the process, the process can be painful. The process can be uncomfortable. The process, the process can be a, a season of waiting. And all of a sudden you think that you should be further. And the enemy says, you, you've been wandering and you're you're stuck. You're in the same place. And all of a sudden, you start to believe the devil's false reality. And you come to that place of discouragement. My life's never going to change. My husband's never going to change. My wife's never going to change. My marriage's not going to change. My kids are not going to change. My finances are not going to change. My health is not going to change. And all of a sudden, the enemy is pointing to you, telling you things are worse than they were before. And you're stuck, and you're in the middle of this painful process. And all of a sudden, you fall into this place of discouragement. And this is where Joshua is now. Just like I've told you before that God is a God of pictures and patterns, so is the enemy. The enemy 
does not change. He, he has a very specific MO. He, he has a very specific way that, that he likes to do that. He, he has a pattern. See, the first thing the enemy will do is he will try to discredit you. Then he will try to discourage you. And then if he can discredit you or discourage you, the next thing that he will do is he will try to distract you. And if he can't distract you, then he will try to divide you. So he'll go from discrediting you to discouraging you to distracting you to dividing you. That, that's his MO. He'll, he'll follow that pattern to a T. So for the first place that he will always try to get you to quit is through a season of discouragement. See, just like I said, every time the kingdom of God is going to expand, you've got to know there's always going to be opposition. Expansion brings opposition. And anytime you're building something, whether you're building your life, you're building your ministry, you're, you're getting your life back on track, it's not going to be easy. There is a process. There, there is cost involved. There is effort involved. And let me tell you what's harder than building. Harder than building is rebuilding. That, that's an even greater challenge. But anytime you are building something, there are always natural obstacles you encounter. Ask any builder, any contractor. You, you have to deal with the lack of resources, human capital, motivation. You have logistical challenges, topographical challenges, and so on. But let me tell you, when you're building for the kingdom of God, not only do you have to deal with obstacles, you also have to deal with spiritual opposition. And I think this, this is perfectly depicted in the life of Nehemiah. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a, a cupbearer in, in Babylon. And, and he all of a sudden, God started stirring in his heart to, to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And he had sent notice. He said, how is the city? Now, you've got to understand that Nehemiah never lived in Jerusalem. He never, he never experienced for himself. All he did was hear how amazing it was. And so when the king decided to let the remnant go back and begin to rebuild, Nehemiah was, was moved with passion for his city. He was moved in, with passion to build something, to do something. So he sent word and the word he got was discouraging they said the walls are in ruins everything is in ruins everything looks like like it, it's just it, it looks like a war zone and Nehemiah was moved to go back and rebuild the walls of the city that he loved but the moment that he started to rebuild the walls the opposition came the moment that, that he said, so the Bible says it this way, that he went to survey the, 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 the land, that he left Babylon and he went, and he went to Jerusalem. And the Bible says that he went out at night because he wanted, he wanted to, to see without distraction. He wanted to see the conditions of the walls. And when he saw the condition of the wall, the Bible said that he was moved with so much compassion that he began to tear. Now here, here, here is why, is because the condition of the walls was, was a metaphor for the spiritual condition of the people. And just like the walls of the city, physical walls of the city were in ruins, so was the spiritual condition of the people. And he was moved with compassion. He says, I can't let these walls stay like this. I, I, can't, I, I, I can't allow this city that, that I've heard about all my life, this amazing, beautiful city. I can't, I can't let it just, just die. I can't let it stay like this. I have to do something 
about it. And so what does he do? He begins to prepare. He begins to strategize. He begins to get all of the resources and, and the funding and the workers. And he began to, to build all these strategies. But the moment they began to build the walls, the opposition came. Go with me to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. Verse 1, it says, Sambalat was very angry. Now, let me just tell you that with a name like Sambalat, you've got to know he was ugly. Like, you don't give a pretty boy that name, but that, I'm just saying, right? So he was probably pretty ugly with a name like that. So Sambalat, like, I'm sorry. Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mock the Jews. See, whenever the kingdom of God is going to advance or expand, the enemy is always going to be opposite. But, but let me tell you, what business is it of Sambalat? That was not his city. Why does it matter to him that the Israelites were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem? He had no dominion, no investment. It, it had nothing to do with him. But let me tell you that. That's what happens when you set out to do something in your life. People that haven't been in your process, people that haven't been in your corner, they're going to start hating on you right away. I know not here in Eagle Pass, but in Del Rio, it happens all the time. See, you've got to realize that not everyone is going to be for you. And Sambalat was very angry when he learned they were rebuilding the wall. And see, let me tell you that even the, the enemy will even use people who you thought were for you, family, friends, coworkers, and neighbors, to oppose you, to distract you, and to discourage you. And this is why. Because they are fine with you as long as you stay in the mold that, that they think of you. As long as you're, you're still the person that they think you should be. But the minute you start growing, the minute you start shifting, the minute you start changing, the minute that you purpose in your life, you know what? I'm getting out of this place. I'm going to move forward. I'm no longer going to be a victim of my past. I'm no longer allow you to abuse me. I'm going to no longer allow you to manipulate me. I'm changing. The moment you do that, people are not going to like it. The moment you say, you know what, I'm moving on. The moment you left your old church because you weren't growing, you weren't being developed, all of those people that said they loved you unfollowed you on Facebook. Unfollow. I know this didn't happen here, but Del Rio happens all the time. I'm like, what happened to hermano y hermana? Not no more. We're not even friends on Facebook anymore. Why? Because the moment you step out, and you stop being who they think you need to be, they get uncomfortable with it. They don't like it. They, 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 they do that. And, and that's what happens when you start rebuilding your life and you're rebuilding your walls and you're rebuilding, you know, your, your, your purpose in life and you determine that I'm going to be different. I'm no longer going to be who I thought I needed to be to please people. I'm going to do that. That's when people start hating. That's when people will start, will start challenging you and criticizing you and talking about you and blackballing you you. Why? Because you no longer fit the mold. You no longer fit in to who they think you are really called to be. And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter what people say. They can block you. They can blackball you. They control you. They can stalk you. But they can't stop you from being who God has called you to be. 
And I've got to be honest, I'm up here like cheesy. You know, like that little emoji that, that's me right now. Why? Because it still resonates in my mind and my spirit. When they told me, an English church in Eagle Pass will never work. If you really want to grow a church, you got to do it in Spanish. They told me that. It'll never work. You're never going to make it. If you really want a big church, do it in Spanish. Nobody better be Snapchatting me right now. And that's why I'm so motivated that we cannot stop building. I'm not going to quit. And so... Once the enemy is not happy with the direction you're going in your life, you know what he starts to do? He starts mocking you. And, and, and we, we, we got to stop being offended. This whole dissy cancel culture thing irks me. What happened to sticks and stones? Gonna break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Oh, I'm offended. I know it doesn't happen here, but in Del Rio, it happens all the time. See, if we're going to advance, knowing that the enemy is going to bring discouragement and he's going to mock, we have to learn to use their mocking to motivate us. We have to be motivated by their mocking. So every time they told me, Axis Church will never work, it's never going to succeed. How do you plan to build two churches at once with no money and no people? I don't know, but I'm not going to build it. God is. And the more they would mock, the more I'd get motivated. The more I would push forward, the more. And this is what happened to Nehemiah chapter 4, 2 and 3. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews, rejects, misfits, prodigals, the, the people that no other church wants in the city, the people that the church has kicked out because they didn't fit their religious paradigms and molds. Who do they think they are? Who do they think they're doing? Do they think that they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Sambalot and his friends, they started mocking the Jews. You're just a bunch of little old slaves. You're poor, feeble slaves. You have a slave mindset. You don't own anything. You don't have anything. Who do you think you are you think you're gonna build something see you've got to realize something about nehemiah nehemiah didn't build up the walls with new stones he built up the walls with the old stones the stones that nobody else wanted the stones that everybody rejected the stones that everybody thought were in ruins nehemiah says i'm gonna use these stones that nobody wants and i'm gonna build something beautiful and amazing and he took those old stones the stones that people thought were ruins, that were devastated. And he began to build the walls. But you've got to know the haters are going to hate. And so Sambalat was, I mean, we should be making fun of him because of his name. Started mocking the Israelites. And here's something you've got to know about the enemy. The enemies always look for allies. Because they're often afraid to mock alone. They're scared. They're always.
always looking for, and so what does he do? He goes looking for friends, like, look at these fools. Who do they think they are? A bunch of rejects and misfits that no other church in the city wants, and they think they're going to build something? Yes, I do. And they said, you think you're going to build it in a single day? Maybe not in a single day, but look what we've been able to build in five years. But here's the key. This is, they didn't understand the power of worship because they said, and you want to do it by offering a few little sacrifices? You're going to build it by doing a, wor- a little worship night in the parking lot on Del Rio Boulevard? What you need is una campaña evangelística con el fuego y el poder de Dios. No, we're not going to do it your way because we understand that worship is our weapon. And we understand that God's power comes with his presence, and his presence comes by worship. So the more we worship, the more his presence comes, and the more his presence comes. See, they didn't understand the power of worship, and that's why they ridiculed their worship. They ridiculed what they were doing. I remember we stood in a living room, and all we had was a YouTube video and Sandra singing. And then Vicky came with acoustic guitar, so we had a YouTube video of acoustic guitar and Sandra singing. And look what God has been able to build. Now, I, I, I may be a little bit biased, but I think we have the best worship team in the city. I'm just... I'm like that mom that thinks their, son is, their newborn son is beautiful, and you're looking at it, it looks like a rat. Some chulo, mijo, like, bien chulo. Está bien chulo, ¿verdad? I'm talking about the newborns at other churches, not Access Church. They ridiculed their worship because They didn't understand, but the Israelites knew that worship was a weapon. Because the Bible teaches us in Psalms that when the praises go up, the presence comes down. And when the presence comes down, the power comes down. And so they were no longer going to be building in their own strength, in their own efforts, out of their own resources, off of their own platform. They were going to be rebuilding by the power of God. And so what do the haters do? They look for allies. Verse, verse 2, do they think they can actually make something out of these stones, a rubbish of heap and charred ones at that? Do they think they're going to build a church out of these rejects that no other church wants? I think we are. Verse 3, Tobiah, the Ammonite who was standing beside him remarked that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. Now, it's obvious like this guy would not win a Your Mama competition. That stone wall would collapse if a fox walked on it. He's not going to win one, but I guess that's the best he could come up with. But you've got to know that the haters, they're going to hate. They will always point out the lack of resources. They'll point out the lack of help. They'll point out the, how difficult or impossible the task is. They'll point out uh, the lack of progress. They'll do all of this to discourage you. But you've got to remember that your power is tied to his presence. And so when they say, yeah, you're not going to make it. Yeah, you're not moving forward. Yeah, you don't have the resources. You've got to remember, yes, but I have him. And as long as I have him, I have everything. 
everything I need because in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. So when my faith runs out, his faith comes in. When my hope comes out, his faith comes in. When my strength runs out, his strength comes in. When my joy runs out, his joy comes in because I'm not doing this in my own strength. I'm not doing this alone. But that's what the enemy does. He starts pointing out all of the deficiencies, the problems. I've shared this. This is one of my favorite testimonies of us uh, being missionaries in Mexico. Some of you know, some of you don't know that many years ago, God pulled us out of the States and took us to Mexico to be missionaries. We were there seven years. But he did, God's got a sense of humor. He did it with no support whatsoever. Like, we did not have a church or anybody supporting us financially. We literally had to go live by faith over there in Mexico. I know. It's crazy. But I know that doing that gave me the faith to build what we're, we're building today. And so God took me out of working in an office in one of the top law firms in the city my office was on the 69th floor in downtown Dallas to being a construction worker in Mexico because the church we went to serve at was in a building project. They were building, the, the, they were actually building the church. And I wasn't preaching, I wasn't teaching. You know what I was in? I was in the process. I was in a process where God was pulling out insecurities. God was pulling out haughtiness. He was pulling out all this junk that I didn't know that I had. It's crazy how everybody sees it, but you don't. And so all of a sudden, I find myself from driving a nice Mercedes, dressed in office attire. One morning, I'm standing on the curb waiting for a bus to come pick me up, dressed like an albanil. Albanil is the Greek word... Um, it's what you call a Mex Mexican construction worker. Well, actually, I wasn't even albanil. I was a chalan. I, didn't, I was not even at that level. I was like the helper to the worker. I was the gopher, go get this, go get that, go mix cement. And we didn't have one of those revolvedoras where you would mix the cement for you. And we did it by, by hand. And we, we'd take it in buckets and all, all the fun stuff. And I remember one day, because we didn't have a car, I couldn't afford a car, so I gave up my Mercedes, gave up a house, everything. We went to Mexico, and there I was standing on the corner waiting for the bus, and me and my four pesos. When all of a sudden, this young, very good-looking, reminded me of myself. It's my story. I can tell it my way, okay? <laughs> Dressed in office attire, driving in a Mercedes exactly the, like the one I used to drive in Dallas. And what do you think the enemy did? You think he was going to miss that opportunity to mock and ridicule? No. He says, that should be you. But look at where your God has you. I looked at him and I looked down. I used to wear $300 jeans. Now I, wear, I had 300 whole jeans. But they weren't in style. Now they're in style. Back then it wasn't. All full of cement and cal. I don't know how to say cal in English, but it's the other substance you use to make cement. And... The enemy says, look at where your God has you. See, at that moment, I could give in to the pity party and say, yeah, you're right. My life's messed up. Look at where I'm at. I should be driving that Mercedes, dressed in office attire, just like that young man. But here I am, dressed like a construction worker, without even a car. 
with only four pesos in my pocket, enough to get me to the church. I didn't know how I was going to get home because I didn't have enough for the bus ride home. And at that moment, I had to make a decision. Am I going to see the false reality that the enemy was trying to paint for me in that moment? Was I going to give in to the discouragement and the pity party to be like, yeah, you're right. Look at my life is mess. I should go back to death. And believe me, there was a lot of times where I wanted to quit. But that moment and that time, I was motivated by the mocking. And I remember standing there and said, you know what, devil? It doesn't matter because in a few minutes, an even bigger Mercedes is going to come pick me up. Those of you who know in Mexico, the, the buses are Mercedes. Well, at least it has the emblem. We don't know if it really is. <laughs> like, it could have been made in Tepito, but anyway. And I said, it doesn't matter. Because in just a few minutes, an even bigger Mercedes than the one that I used to drive is going to pick me up. And I have a chauffeur. See, it's all how you look at it. It's all how, I could have been there and been in the pity party. I could have given in to the discouragement, but I knew that, let me tell you, if I would have never been in that process, I would not be the pastor that I am today. You think I'm bad? You had a worse pastor. But I didn't give in because I was not focused on the process or the problem I was focused on. And, 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 and that's where we have to be. Why? Because the enemy will try to discourage you. And, and, and here's the thing. He'll, discouragement will lead to distraction. And the distraction leads you to disconnection. And then disconnection leads you to quit. So if he can get you discouraged, you're just one step away from, you're one step closer to quitting. And from discouragement, he'll lead you to distract. Why? Discouraging causes you to be distracted by the problems and not being focused on the promise. The lack of resources, how things are going from bad to worse instead of getting better. And then, and then from there, you become disconnected. And then once you become disconnected, then you just quit. And, and, and this is why it's so important for you to quit because there's nothing the enemy can do to defeat you. He can't defeat you in any way. Victory is already yours. So the only, the only way that he can defeat you is to get you to defeat yourself, is to get you to quit. So that's what he's trying to do every day. He is trying to bring discouragement. He is trying to bring distraction. He's trying to bring disconnection so that he can get you to quit. But the more they mocked, the more motivated they got. And I'm here to tell you, the more they mock you, the more, the more motivated you should be. We can't stop. Don't stop. Don't quit. You've got to keep building. And and so here, here, we're going to close with this. So his first attempt, the enemy's first attempt from keeping you from possessing your promise is to discourage you. And the reason discouragement comes, discouragement comes from disappointment. Disappointment comes when your reality does not meet your expectation. When you expect God to do it one way, you're expecting him to answer one way. You're expecting him to, to do something the way you think it should be done. And God's got a whole different way to do it. And that's the process. And at times in the process, 
instead of advancing, it feels like you're retreating. Instead of getting better at things that, that things are getting worse. And God is saying, no, you can't look at the process. You've got to stay focused on the promise because once you start looking at the process, then the devil's got you into discouragement. And the only way he can defeat you is to get you to quit. To get you to throw in the towel. To give up on your promise. To give up on your prayer. To give up on your petition. Give up on your dream. And God sent me here to tell you, don't quit. See, this spiritual race that we're running is different. Because we're running a race where we can't see the finish line. Or the end of the process line. We, we, we can't see it. See, the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years. They didn't know when it was going to end. They just had to keep running. They just had to keep walking. They just had to keep waiting. They just had to keep going. They didn't know when the process was going to end. And so we're, we are running this race, running this race through the process, running this race to our promise, running this race to our purpose, but we can't see the finish line. Why? Because God does not want you to focus on the finish line. He wants you to focus on the promise. God doesn't want you to focus on the process. He wants you to focus on the promise. But how many times, but because we can't see the finish line, we quit and then all of a sudden our eyes are open and we're right there about to cross. Can you imagine running a race and you quit only to realize if you would have ran three more steps, you would have crossed the finish line? Can you imagine praying for something, believing for something, and then all of a sudden you quit only to realize that you are only a step away from your breakthrough because the process is painful. I understand that it is painful. And I think no one understands that more than a woman who has given birth. See, they say that in the birthing process, the moment of the greatest pain is when the baby is crowning. Think about that for a moment. The moment of greatest pain is when the baby is crowning. What, what happens when the baby is crowning? The doctor says, I can see her big head. Gonna hurt. That head is big. Came out like her daddy. And it's right there. And see, sometimes... That's when we quit in the middle of the process because the pain becomes unbearable. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It hurts. And you're wondering, is God, why would God send us through this process? Because the process will prepare you for your promise. And He loves you too much to give you the promise without the process because if he gives you the promise without the process then you'll just mess up the promise and make it worse than the process thank you that's my amen corner over there yeah it was painful and what that means is that I believe that some of us here and I feel this prophetically in my spirit you're so close to your breakthrough but you don't realize it because you're at the point 
of your most intense pain. And I remember years ago, 1990, I was just graduated high school. My sister was about to give birth to my first niece. And she was in a birthing room across the hall. I was in the waiting room. So I could hear everything. Everything. And I remember at some point, my sister screaming like a, like a mad woman. I thought I was going to have to go in and rebuke some demons. That's how bad it was. Like her voice was all. Worse than that. And I remember at some point, she told the doctor, I don't want to do this anymore. It hurts. And the doctor says, you should have thought about that nine months ago. She says, it hurts. And I hear, I see her head. Your promise is crowning. And you know what he told her to do at that moment? He didn't tell her to quit. What did he tell her to do? baby you gotta push I know it hurts but you gotta push he told her every time you feel the pain that's when you know you have to push and I'm here to tell you every time you feel the pain you have to push through with your praise you have to push through with your prayer you have to push through with your worship you have to push through with your faith you have to push through with your hope every time you feel that pain I'm here to tell you that you've got to push you're right there your promise is being crowned your breakthroughs about to come through don't give up don't quit it's not time to quit it's time to push I'm the doctor telling you it's time to push through the pain. I, I know I've gone over time and I'm not even going to charge you time and a half for it. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to possess the promise. And just like we talked about a few weeks ago when Caleb was ready to take his mountain, his inheritance, he knew there was going to be opposition. He knew that there were giants in the land. He knew it wasn't going to be easy. That if he was going to take hold of his legacy and his inheritance, he was going to have to take it by force. You know, we at Access Church, we've been under an attack. The leadership, marriages, families, health-wise... I mean, if you only knew all of the stories, these are not isolated incidents. We've been under attack, and someone once told me that the level of attack that is leveraged against you is proportionate to the level of purpose that God has for you. In other words, the greater the threat you are to the enemy, the greater he's going to attack. So this level of attack is telling me that we as a church, that the devil knows that we are a church of great purpose, a church that is taking back ground, a church that is taking back marriages, a church that is taking back families, a church that is taking back prodigals, a church that is breaking down religious paradigms and strongholds, a church that is breaking down the kingdom of darkness. This level of attack is telling me that we're closer to our breakthrough than we even know. So it's not time to quit. It's time to push. It's time to praise. It's time to pray. It's time to move forward. 
And I'm here to serve notice on the enemy. I'm here to tell us you can attack us. You can try to discourage us. You can try to distract us. You can even try to divide us. But we are not quitting. We are not stopping. We are going to push forward this year. We are going to take it by force. And I'm here as your doctor. And I'm telling you, I know it hurts. But you've got to push. It's time to push. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. You're closer than you think. I know it hurts. I know it feels like you don't have any more strength. I know it feels like you don't have another prayer to pray. But it's not time to quit. It's time to push. It's time take it by force. Will you stand? Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. Thank you for this word. God, thank you for reminding us that we are closer to our breakthrough than we can actually see. We are closer Yes, baby girl, I'm talking about you. My niece was just watching them. She just messaged me. We're closer than we even know from our breakthrough. And it's not time to quit. It's time to push. We're not going to quit. We're not going to relent. We're not going to give up. We're not going to throw in the towel. We are going to see this thing through. We are going to build the biggest, baddest church this city has ever seen. Not for our honor and not for our glory, but for His. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.